Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 24th of August 2020, where I had the pleasure of speaking to Garance Choco. I spoke to Garance about her life, racism in society, her travels, and her career where she is the founder and CEO of Coda Societies. Hello, Garance. How are you? Hi, Shame. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm uh, good and I'm glad to be here. How is there New York? I know New York is still sort of in its pandemic stage. It hasn't really recovered properly as much as other parts in Europe and other, other parts of the world. Is that correct? Yes, it's true. Yes, we're still in like semi-confinement. Um, like life is definitely not back to normal. Um, I am myself still quarantining, you know. Um, you have more people in the streets, but everyone um, is wearing masks. We also have like restaurants now that are like um, that are opening, but it's all outdoor sittings, you know. But like the city is really not go- not back to normal. Like you know, my I'm from France, so my family is in Paris, um, and so they are like completely, you know, like. Uh, well, trying to be back to normal, but meaning that they have like they're back to their social life and almost back to their professional lives. Um, and funny enough, my sister is in Sweden, in Stockholm, okay. and so like they've been, you know, like dealing with um, the pandemic in a very different way. And you mentioned there that you're from France, so yes. tell us your story. How did you end up in New York then? I was born and raised in Paris, France. Um, my mother is from the Caribbean. She's from Martinique. And my father um, was from Poland. And so um, I'm first generation, like Parisian French in some ways. Um, so I grew up there. I um, discovered a love for music, for classical music and for piano performance very, very young. So when I was three, and it was like truly a passion of mine. I was, um, yeah, for me, it was like understanding the world, understanding beauty. I think that I really started to like feel alive when I, and understanding like my human mm. condition. When I started, like I discovered like um, Beethoven, actually. Moonlight Sonata. I think that's like it's a very well-known piece. Um, because of that, I think that he had this effect. And me, at three years old, I listened to that and I felt that I understood the meaning of life. <laughs> Um, and so, um, I started like really being serious about piano and practicing a lot and being dedicated to having a career in, in piano performance, um, very young. I also like, you know, because of like my parents' background grew up and also by the fact of being in France, which is the, and being an immigrant in France, even though I was born there, but it's not being like the country that my parents, like not having like the same culture as my, as my parents, you know? Yeah. Um, I grew up like really questioning um, society in which I, I, I was part of. You said your mother emigrated from the Caribbean and your father yeah. is from Poland. With any travel journey, your, your journey actually starts from your, your, your parents because they exactly. travel from, from parts well, of the world, other parts of the world. 
Yes, and also I'm for like I'm from two diasporas, right? When you think about it, so I'm like from a long lineage of travelers because my father um, is Jewish, right? So, okay. and um, and so coming from Poland, and we know like all about um, like the Jewish diaspora, right? And like the the, the continue the continued journey of um, of Jewish people across the world. And my mother is black, and so she's from the diaspora as well. So like coming from Africa and then like generation later, like, you know, being in the Caribbean and then like generation later, like leaving to come to France. And so it's like, it's, um, I'm coming from two stories that are very rich in terms of histories, in terms of, uh, of understanding of societies, in terms of having to like really contemplate, you know, like who they are vis-a-vis like the greater community of a greater group. And so I think that like, I really, for me, it was natural to just like, um, undertake a similar type of like intellectual or emotional journey when I was in France. I don't know like who I am, who am I? Um, what does it mean to me? To, what does it mean to be me within a greater French context? Do I feel at home in France? But I, I didn't actually, not at all. Or even uh, throughout yeah. your school life or anything, you, you felt you were French? I felt that um, I was speaking French. I felt that I was a visitor within the French culture. Um, I felt that my culture was um, a mix of like, yeah, like black culture, you know, Caribbean culture, but also like Pan-African culture um, and also like Jewish culture. And then I was, I had to adapt to a French context. And I know it sounds very weird because like um, many individuals who are born in a country really feel at home in that environment, in that country. You know, but I never really did. And I think that like also because I had music, it was a world also. And so I was able to like create an imaginary or create a sense of home, you know, um, with music. Also, let's not forget that France is like was and is still quite a very racist society. It's not a society that is particularly like welcoming to like people who are different. And so like being black and Jewish, given like the whole like colonization being a big part of like the French mm. history and like um, the Holocaust being like also a big part of like French history. And yeah. I think that like um, the two communities that I was coming from didn't have a particularly like peaceful, nor happy, nor productive relationship with like uh, with France. And all of that though, with like the, um, I think like the, Poetry, like friends, as a certain poetry and lyricism, you know, and a, an appreciation for the art, and also like a philosophy, you know, um, and so like also like honoring this type of intellectual pursuit. And so I think though that like friends and like my education in friends gave me some of like the tools, you know, like that being like yeah, philosophy, you know, or um, theory. To being able to like make sense of my environment, does that make okay. sense? Or, dis- or developing a discourse about myself and about like my environment. Do you still 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 do your music, or is it something that you sort of moved away from? My piano is always with me, but so I still practice. Like during the pandemic, of course, I had to like um, leave my piano behind because I had to like quarantine somewhere else, you know. But um, usually, I try to practice at least two hours a day. Um, and also, um, I'm like wanting to go back on stage. So yes, so stay tuned for that. I just want to take it back slightly and ask you about 
um, how you ended up in New York. So you're giving mm-hmm. your journey. So your pathway is actually you didn't go from France to, to New York. You went no. you went through Cuba, I believe. Yeah, university there as well. Is that correct? So I was always fascinated by Cuba. First of all, I always wanted to leave France, right? That was like my goal number one. And then um, I was like hearing more and more about Cuba as I was like shaping my own philosophy, my own understanding of societies, um, and also my, my, my love for the Caribbean and my love for music. Um, Cuba emerged as like a very intriguing space because it has like this very Caribbean, very like black, you know, um, identity, but also mixed with like this Eastern Europe kind of Russian, you know, um, like approach. And since my father was from, was from like Eastern Europe, I think this like this mix was very intriguing to me. Also like being a, like Cuba being a place where music was at like, you know, um, like reaching incredible level of excellence, not only in, like in Latin music, but also in jazz and also in classical music. Um, and also like being a space where um, like the arts were celebrated, but also social contract and actual society building in a very tangible way. So I ended up like um, going there, um, having a piano teacher there, loving it, learning a lot, <clears throat> learning a lot, learning about like how societies are being, can be built from scratch, right? Having a place that is like based on a social contract, we can agree with a social contract or not, you know, um, but we can, we cannot like um, not recognize the fact that it's a place that like, as build societal structure based mm-hmm. on an ideal, right? And so I learned a lot there, and that was like actually like very seminal to like my career and to the work that I'm doing now. So I like um, had amazing experience there, like amazing like learning experience there. And then like funny enough, I got a scholarship to like study piano performance in Miami. So I, you know, after Cuba, I was like. Um, thrown into like another side of Cuba, you know, because Miami is a, a Republican Cuba, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it was interesting to see like the yin and the yang, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I went to university in Miami um, for piano performance and also political science because I really wanted to like um, explore and keep on pursuing my passion for society building. So you're now in Miami. Yeah. And obviously... I always say when you're in university, it's a, it's a stage where you're going to, especially for me growing up, um, it was a time where I grew up properly. I became, I would say, an adult. Um, did you feel as though Miami itself was another place where you saw within yourself and you thought, wow, you know what, this is the time to grasp everything I've got now and then and move along with it? Yes, I think that, like you know, it was a, a dream come true to be in Miami. I think that um, it's, I remember this time so fondly um, for many different reasons. First of all, because yes, I always wanted to leave France permanently. And all of a sudden, I'm like in my favorite type of um, climate and environment. I'm in the Caribbean, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're surrounded by brown and black people, you know. Um, I'm in a space that is still, that is not American. So it's in the United States, right? Yeah. But it's resisting this American identity. It's a space that is like really, truly Latin American and Caribbean. And so like, it was like Miami was a space where a lot was given to me. And I, I honor that and I celebrate that. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And so I, you know, even now, like I look at my, I see Miami as a, 
refuge and a safe space for me. Also, I didn't speak English when I came to the United States. I had like very fundamental English from yeah. like high school. Well, like yeah. Miami though, a lot of them speak Spanish. The majority when I went exactly. to Miami, it, when I landed in the airport and I heard Spanish, I was thinking, uh, "Have I landed somewhere in South America or have I landed yeah. <laughs> somewhere in Spain?" Because yeah. it uh, they, they speak Spanish, and obviously, um, being fr- I mean, did you did you were you able to speak Spanish then? Was so. Yeah, so I didn't. So I learned Spanish um, in Cuba. So and I became fluent very fast. Okay. And so like my Spanish was my second language. And so it was, it, you know, it came in very handy that I got to Miami um, and was just able to speak Spanish, like spoke Spanish. Um, and so I learned English through my school, you know, through like uh, being at university and everything, and having to take classes in math and everything, poli-sci, and you know. Um, so I learned English in, like in Living life, right? From Miami, uh, you decided to make the move to New York. Was that the next stop? No. So from oh, Miami, okay. I went. Um, I was. I went to Cornell. I was in upstate New York, Ithaca. Like, uh, okay. that was a very massive cultural shock to me. Um, like, and really. To, that, that, what I want to ask you, so you say it's a cultural shock. You're doing this yeah. all by yourself, aren't you? Yeah. No, no family, no friends, and obviously you're moving from countries to country. Well, country to another country, then to another city, to another city. Yeah. So you're doing yeah. this all on your own. Yeah. As, a, as an individual, obviously you're sort of learning a lot from this, aren't you? And you're doing yeah. this solo. You know, did you at any point think, "Oh, I'm missing my family. Uh, you know, I want to go back home." Never, never came into your head. No, actually, yes. I thank you for bringing up that point because I never thought about it in, in, in that way. It's true that I've been doing this journey all by myself. I have been blessed with incredible friends that I met along the way in the United States, you know, and I had some, some friends from France. But um, so I always had a community of people who I, you know, who felt like home. Um, but yeah, my family was very, very far away. And um, I think that I was lucky to like experience this at a time where we had Skype and we had phone and everything was very accessible, yeah. you know, uh, and it was not, it was, it's very accessible. So I could talk to my parents like on a very regular basis and I, I, I'm very close to my family. So I was able to like speak with them on a regular basis and that was easy. And there was something quite epic about like me being on my own and having this journey on my own. I, Yes, I miss my family, you know, but I was also, I felt very lucky to being able to like just take that path, you know, on my own and really like develop my life and develop my experiences like on my own and as, yeah, and living up my entire narrative, building my narrative, shaping my narrative. And also like, yes, having to like understand the world through my own lens and on my own. So there is something like very liberating and very um, creative about that as well. Then I got um, from my first job in the United States because I had worked obviously previously in DC. So I was on the Hill, I was in Congress. So I was in DC, Washington, DC. Oh, wow. I was there for um, a year or a year and a half, I think, or two years, I forgot. Um, and I worked there. Um, I really like experienced like policies, you know, um, society building in that way, so public yeah. policies, uh, legislative process. Um, then I also like um, I went. I was like working at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Art, so like also understanding like um, the role of culture, you know, in social change and society building. And um, then then get a job in a company to New York to go to New York. Went to New York, loved it. 
and been there ever since. So like, it's going to be, I've been in New York now for the past um, eight years. And also, I think that my experience in New York has, has been like, um, um, like characterized by me traveling a lot. So like New York as a home base, but I've been really like, lit, like all over the world, you know, yeah. for work since I've been based here. How New York is as a, as a city, it's obviously very diverse, very cosmopolitan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel, and I know you mentioned earlier that you wanted to move away from Paris from a, or, or France from, uh, um, well, ever since you were growing up, do you mm -hmm. feel New York is your home now? I have an issue about um, calling a home a home. I've noticed that. I think that that's because of my background being from the diaspora as well. And I think that it stays in your genes, right? And so like you're okay. always in movement. Um, and it is hard to, like, it, there is something very um, unsafe to think about a space as like your fundamental home. So my home is in myself, right? What I love about New York and, while, and why I am more inclined to call it home is because it is a transient city and it's cyclical. And it's a city that always changes, right? It's a blank canvas. So to your point, it's very, very diverse. But you see, like, for example, in Paris, Paris is Paris. It doesn't change. It's never going to change. It has its vibe, its energy, its culture. The thing about New York is that you can have an experience in the meatpacking district, okay, that is very marking. And then, like, go back to the meatpacking district maybe, like, a year later, and it's brand new. It's a new experience, you know? The place doesn't get haunted. So New York, to me, because I was not born here, is not a haunted place, which means that there is some space for me to create, to build, to, like, reinvent myself, to keep on going, to, like, you know? And so that is, for me, very dynamic, and that is, like, what I need in terms of my work, in terms of my creativity, and also from, like, just to feel safe, right? You're the founder of Coda Society. How did it start then? If you were to explain Coda Society to them, if they didn't know anything about it, how would you explain it to them? We help countries and regions and community rethink their society and their social and economic structures. Thinking about like a new, renewed like governance system, who should make decisions within a space, within a country, within a region, or within a community? Who is in like what is a social contract for a space, for example? Who is in charge of like rethinking a social contract? How can communities and like residents of a space, you know, or citizen, like um, able to like express what they want this space to like do for them? We're working with the Africa Center now, for example, and we're creating um, their policy institute, which is a space that celebrates in that position like black scientists, black um, political scientists, you know, black uh, architect, black engineer, um, black in tech as like the leaders and the pioneer in like creating solutions for the rest of the world. You've been a uh, founder and CEO for how long? So like Koda, um, I've been CEO of Koda for the past like three years. And so it, it goes hand in hand with music as well. Like first of all, like also in terms of the title, Koda, you know, it's a musical term. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, but in each like classical piece, like in Sonata specifically, at the end of a piece, you had a Koda. And Koda is like um, what happened after the end. So a Sonata, for example, is very structured, right? You have a lot of rules in, in music composition. Mm. But then... 
the coda is like after like the structure. Then like the composer can just like unleash its creativity, you know, and its passion um, after the structure. Okay. And so that's why like for me like I, like really uh, juxtaposing this idea, you know, of coda, um, like it's not the end. It can you know like the structure can structures can be rethought, can be like um, reimagined, rebuilt, you know. Um, in a creative way is like what animates me. And that's the way that I do like um, through Coda. So we work with urban planners. We work with like, um, with um, architects. We work with economists. We work with like um, public, like policy expert. We work with um, biologists, with philosophers, with artists, because society is like all of, all of that. And also like, let's not forget about finance. Yes. I'm going to make it slightly more fun for you now. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks. Um, so we've talked about your journey through to, to New York. Um, and obviously you said you've traveled quite a bit. Uh, do you have a favorite spot, would you say? I have many. Um, I think that I like mentioned before that I love Miami. So, you know, it's not that I need to escape, I'll go to Miami. Um, I think that one of the spaces that I've loved the most um, has been in Congo, in the DRC, Congo, Kinshasa. I had a chance to work there and I, I went to the entire country and, you know, and have like a very first-hand experience. And I thought like one of those places that struck me the most was like um, being on the Lake Kivu and like being able to see like, um, to be on that lake was like ritualistic, even like a religious experience, you know, wow. um, to be like um, in this specific space and time and, being in like the center, it's like an energetic center of earth that was very powerful and of like exquisite, exquisite beauty. I don't think, I've never been there, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, get info off you before I go. Uh, it sounds, yes, uh, it sounds absolutely, absolutely awesome. Yeah. I want to ask you, any uh, memorable stories do you have? You must have some fascinating stories. Well, I think that like one of the a powerful like moments for me was... Um, being in Congo, in the DRC, right, um, which is a place that is being considered, you know, like, um, quite, like, intense, for lack of better words, you know, because, like, um, it's, it's large story of, like, exploitation from the West, you know, and, um, and also, like, there is poverty in Congo. And so, like, despite the fact that it's one of the richest countries in terms of, like, like, primary resources, in terms of, like, the incredible intelligence and talent of the population, yeah. um, in terms of, the, like, the diversity of, like, culture within Congo, is a country that is, you know, that is facing some difficulties, right? And so, like, um, and also, like, there is this entire narrative about, like, Afro-pessimism and looking, like, from the West, looking into Congo or into, like, different countries on the continent as being, like, these very, like, dark, quote-unquote, spaces. You know, being able to, like, go to clubs, you know, uh, in the DRC after a long day of work and, like, go dancing in, like, you know, in Lubumbashi or in Matadi was incredible. Um, yeah. And then, like, I, w I went from from Congo where we developed amazing, we worked on amazing project and um, with local communities, of course. Um, and then like traveling right away to um, Brazil and I was in like in Rio. So I went to a lot of museum there because, you know, I'm Afro-Caribbean and all the gods that, you know, like um, that they were talking about, the sacred land, all like, 
all that we presented, like um, safety, beauty, power, sacredness, was Congo. And so I got to experience, you know, like the two, because a lot of slaves were taken from the continent and sent to Brazil, as you know, everyone knows, yeah. right? And like the, the South America and the Caribbean. And so Congo is seen as this space, as this place that is, you know, um, that has some negative connotation. But yet, for Black people in the Caribbean and South America and Brazil specifically, is a place that is a sacred land. It's sacred, right? And so being able to go back to Congo after like being in Brazil and telling them, but you're considered God throughout, you know, for Afro-Caribbean and Afro-Latinos, you're gods. I don't know about for yourself, but when you go, go somewhere, does it have to have an appeal to you in terms of, oh, there has to be an urge for me to go there. I couldn't just go somewhere just for the sake of going. Is that the same with you? It depends, to be honest. I love also being surprised. So, like, for example, a couple of um, years ago, I had some, I wanted to escape New York and I had a bit of time and I said, like, oh, I can choose wherever I want to go. Put my finger on the map. I was like, oh, I want to, let's go to South Korea. So, it had never crossed my mind to go to South Korea before. I never, like, felt like the moment, like, you know, like this needs mm. urge to go. But I was very curious about just, like, going to a place that I didn't even think about and just being surprised. I'm very, like, fascinated with the unknown. So, like, you know, I enjoy, like, just going into a space or a place that I don't know at all and, like, just uncovering its many different layers. I will find a, a reason to be excited about any place I go to, you know, um, that is not, like, um, Europe necessarily. Don't get me wrong, but, like... <laughs> I don't have it. I don't have much of a desire to go to Germany, for example, you know, uh, or Austria, you know. But I would love to go to Russia, and I and I'm discovering. I discovered like um, the Nordic country. Like you know, I I went to Norway. My sister is in Sweden. Yeah, I would love to discover Denmark, but yeah, I'm more attracted to like warm countries. There's a there's a bit of a story behind wherever wherever I go anyway. Um, but if it's warm, then that's a... Uh, that's it's a, that's already a plus. Yes, yes. It, it ticks the box. as like, oh, that's, that's a big bonus anyway. So yes. um, have you ever thought about writing a book about yourself? Because your story is, I mean, I'm sure someone would love to pick it up and, and read it. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Yeah. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, I, I've been thinking, yeah, I've been thinking about writing on many different books, you know, uh, about myself, I don't know, but about um, many different topics using, of course, like my lens. So, and I love writing and a lot of, you know, and, and I have to work, to write a lot for work. Um, I, I have much more to discover. So like the story is not over, like, you know, the narrative is still ongoing. It doesn't necessarily have to be an autobiography because I've just written my story through a specific time period. Uh, mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to figure out, um, actually, I can write about a, a specific time where I did this, I conquered this. And what did I learn from it? Can I inspire yeah. people? So oh, from your yes. story, I think... Mm -hmm people can learn something incredible. So your journey That's is, so I would love to pick it up and, and read it. Thank you. No, but like, you know, I think that um, it would be, I think that I would need at some point to write things down. I think that, you know, um, it's true, like being able to 
to make sense of everything, process everything. I think, I'm, you know, I like project my experiences and my, um, my sensibility into my work, right? And so, and also within my music, within my piano. So I think that piano is also a way of writing, but mm. it's true that like putting words, you know, on paper and sharing my story is compelling um, to me. I think that like also in terms of like what I really want for people to know, if I have a message, is that we societies are not static. We are part of the world, right? We're citizens and it is all right to think and look at what is around us and to like design it according to what we think would be best, right? And that like we have the agency, the society can rebuild themselves. We don't have to be passive, right? And just like um, wait for things to change or like complain about like certain ways in which society is and not being able or feeling that we're able to do anything. Societies are malleable. Humans make societies. We create societies, right? And societies evolve. And so, like, my, well, if I have a message, it's the fact that, like, we have way more agency in terms of, like, shaping the realities that we want to see than we believe we do, right? Listen, we can talk forever. Um, I'll, we'll, we'll call it there at, uh, at the end of our chat. So it's been amazing talking to you. As I say, I can talk to you all day, all night. Likewise. Uh, I want to yes. thank you, Garance, for coming on and uh, sharing your story. Hopefully people know you better. And um, how can people follow you? How can people follow your work? Yes. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It was a very nice conversation and very powerful as well and very like introspective. So thank you and congrats on your show. It's really amazing. Well, thank you very much. Um, so it's a pleasure to be to, and an honor to be here. Um, people can find me on Instagram at Garance Choco. My website is codasocieties.com. And um, yeah, you can find me there. Well, thank you again and uh, take care of yourself. And uh, hopefully you. I shall see you when I'm in New York. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. You have a nice rest of the day. Thank you very much. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.